This is Soul Searching, Gay Essay Radio, show of the year, 2016. This is the program where we explore all spiritual, psychological and wellness matters that matter. Searching deep into the soul requires that you conduct a penetrating self-examination of your motives, convictions and attitudes. You should frequently challenge your personal beliefs and thoughts to open your mind to fresh ideas and free thinking. I'll ask the awkward questions on your behalf. I'll poke holes in rigid belief systems and challenge the way the world taught you to think, so that you can use some of these ideas to redesign your life for the better. How you finally do that is up to you, isn't it? I don't expect you to give up your sacred beliefs, and I don't mind if you even disagree with me. Healthy debate is always enriching, so please air your views on the digital media platforms that I'll share with you at the end of the show. I'm Tom Budge. The title of our show today is Political Correctness, Empathetic Language Sensitivity, Censorship, or a Powerful Tool for Manipulation. I was driving about, running errands and listening to a few of Milo Ionopoulos' podcasts. He had me cringing at some of the things he had to say. This young man doesn't mince his words and unashamedly calls a spade a spade. His podcasts are refreshingly honest, and as I listened to them, they forced me to consider my stance on the way we all use language in a world obsessed by social justice. His style of speaking is inspired in part by Donald Trump's say-it-as-it-is brashness. Political correctness, being PC, is a reform movement that argues in favor of constrained language to empower the powerless victims against those who use language to support their advantages in society. But ever since Trump's rise to fame on the world stage, political correctness has been challenged and people are asking whether it is proper to continue using this kind of language sensitivity or whether it is kinder and more helpful to drop over to tactfulness in favor of speaking one's mind. I hear you ask, uh, Tom, you used the term social justice. What the heck is social justice? It's the fair and just interface between individuals and the societies they live in. Here in South Africa, everyone has entrenched rights under the Constitution. Social justice includes things like basic health care, children's education, access to housing, sanitation, water and electricity, and, of course, gender equality and the protection of minority rights, like the prohibition of discrimination on the grounds of one's religious convictions, sexual orientation, the color of one's skin, or one's ethnicity. These seem like noble ideals that one ought to embed in the founding documents of the new South Africa. But one must also ask the thorny question, why do we need laws to protect powerless victims against those who use language to torment and demean them? Shouldn't the celebration of all diversity simply be part of the normal civility that exists between people? Some say that political correctness is a vital necessity. They propose that one should curtail absolute freedom of speech a little. Proponents of political correctness believe that this new sensitivity in language may result in a better society. 
Politically correct speech is a language planning movement that tries to censor sexist, racist and pejorative terms, banishing them from the English language. Political correctness means the alteration of one's choice of words to avoid either offending a group of people or reinforcing a stereotype. However, the South African government is presently considering taking political correctness speech to a brand new level. It is drafting new hate speech legislation that criminalizes any inflammatory use of the language intended to hurt another person or group of people. But the provisions in this bill are so vague that they include the cartoons and other criticisms of the president and his cabinet, as they insult and bring them into ridicule, according to the draft of the new law. But no matter how you look at political correctness, it may be seen as an altruistic, non-volatile, all-encompassing form of language intended to bring equality to all. Yet it is also an immensely manipulative, persuasive and influential tool that is used to control and shape the way you think. It forces you to hide your true feelings about others. It silences your voice. It is a form of censorship. Naturally, it is proper for us to find civil ways of talking to each other, using language that stems from empathy and love. But when it becomes Velcro to the lips, it'll backfire when you get fed up with being nice, just because you have to. Trump's presidency is due in part to his political incorrectness, brutally saying whatever he wanted. Listen to some of his statements. When Mexico sends its people, they're not sending their best. They're sending people that have lots of problems, and they're bringing those problems with us. Donald J. Trump is calling for a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States. You call women you don't like fat pigs, dogs, slobs, and disgusting animals. Your Twitter account Only Rosie O'Donnell. For the record, it was well beyond Rosie O'Donnell. Yes, I'm sure. You know, you could see there was blood coming out of her eyes, uh, blood coming out of her wherever, but uh, she was, uh, in my opinion, she was uh, off base. I think his response, his, his visceral response to attack people on their appearance, short, tall, fat, ugly, my goodness, that happened in junior high. Are we not way above that? Would we not all be worried to have someone like that in charge of the nuclear Jake, arsenal? Jake, the, Mr. Trump. I never attacked him on his look. And believe me, there's plenty of subject matter right there. Of all the slurs against Trump, nobody can accuse him of falsely representing his true feelings. There were millions of Americans who found their voice through Donald Trump's outspokenness. Is what he said about Muslims, Mexicans, women and other politicians hurtful? Of course it is. But at least he revealed his hand and there is no doubt about his agenda. Some people have a high degree of empathy towards others and tend to soft-pedal harsh truths, calling this behavior tactfulness or diplomacy. They use every effort to avoid offending or confronting the other person to maintain goodwill and rapport. Feminists use political correctness in their quest to topple male supremacy. 
take away some of these gender-specific words were systematically replaced with their gender-neutral counterparts in an attempt to level the gender divide. Manhole is now known as a utility duct. Flight deck replaces the word cockpit. And chairman becomes chairperson, even though the man part of the word comes from the Latin word manus, meaning hand, and is part of the origin of words such as manual, a vehicle driven by hand, and manufacture, originally meaning made by hand. In the 1960s, feminists began to demand that the third-person personal pronouns he, him, and his be replaced with expressions like he or she, him or her, and the singular form of them. One can easily empathize with transgendered or intersex people, those with atypical sex characteristics, who find no identity in the English language. If you were a transgendered or intersex person, imagine how difficult life would be when the only personal pronouns the English language offers you are words like him and her. But there are groups claiming to be oppressed or discriminated against, who will periodically attempt to change the labels by which society defines them to shape the way the world sees them without actually doing much to elevate themselves. Does this actually help in reframing society's view of them, or does it merely push intolerance and hatred deeper into the oppressor's psyche? When it is politically incorrect to use a particular word, one often finds word contractions of that word that form euphemisms, like the F-word, to refer to the common four-letter expletive, and the K-word, which replaces the ethnic slur directed at South African black people. You can't use the real words with impunity, but nobody objects to the euphemistic counterparts, do they? The American equivalent, the N-word, came into mainstream use during the racially contentious O.J. Simpson murder case in 1995. Political correctness affects terms like colored people, which is deemed offensive because of the order of the words, putting colored first, emphasizing difference from the mainstream, while people of color is acceptable because it puts the term people first. Some people allege that instead of encouraging supposedly marginalized groups to integrate with and assimilate into the mainstream of Western culture, political correctness ironically encourages them to emphasize and indeed to wallow in their own marginalization from society and to make a public display of such. This is known as identity politics. According to this view, Gays and lesbians are therefore encouraged to label themselves as queer and make public displays of queerness, calculated to disturb the sensibilities of mainstream people, rather than integrating themselves seamlessly into the mainstream society. I have a personal reference for this. I knew about my sexual proclivity from young and chose to hide it from the religion for fear of rejection. The Jehovah's Witnesses eventually excommunicated me. Thank heavens. And I only then began my quest to find identity. Disparaging and offensive terms like faggot, pansy, pufta, my maternal grandfather's preferred word for homosexual men, morphy, and homo, once had enormous power over me, and I remember how defenseless, misunderstood, and marginalized I felt whenever these words were used. 
They were hardly ever said to describe me directly because I chose never to reveal my sexual preferences to them. The dark shadows of the closet were a far safer place to be. But I had heard these words said by my family about others and by other schoolboys when I was growing up. I knew what these words meant, and I felt the disgusted disdain of those who used them. They were partly responsible for my feelings of self-loathing, which inhibited and suppressed me as a young man. Thankfully, however, Mrs. George Couples' children's rhyme, dating back to 1872, was never more apt. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never harm me. Sun Tzu, a Chinese general and military strategist of the 6th century BC, wrote, All warfare is based on deception. Hence, when we are able to attack, we must seem unable. When using our forces, we must appear inactive. When we are near, we must make the enemy believe we are far away. When far away, we must make him believe we are near. It is said that if you know your enemies and know yourself, you will not be imperiled in a hundred battles. Political correctness programs people to say what society wants them to say and discourages honest, heartfelt opinion as it may be hurtful, judgmental or tactless. Personally, I prefer knowing my enemy. I want to know what people think about me and I don't care whether they like or dislike me. After all, they are quite entitled to their own opinions, as I am of mine. What matters most to me is that I foster a meaningful relationship with myself. <laughs> I'm not a narcissist. Slapping a ban on Pastor Steve Anderson for his hate speech against homosexuals seems like justice to many, and it may have ultimately protected a minority against forecast righteous brutality, but I'm personally okay watching the YouTube clips of Anderson frothing at the mouth, slamming his fist onto the podium, spewing hatred, covered in a thin biblical veneer, yelling, The same God who instituted the death penalty for murderers is the same God who instituted the death penalty for rapists and for homosexuals, sodomites and queers. You know why God wanted the sodomites in the Old Testament to be killed. Because the sodomites are infectious, that's why. Because they're not reproducers. That goes without saying. they recruiters. And you know who they're after. Your children. They recruit through rape. They recruit through molestation. They recruit through violation. Because each sodomite recruits far more than one other sodomite because his whole life is about recruiting other sodomites. His whole life is about violating and hurting people and molesting them. One of Anderson's disciples and a supposed friend and admirer is Cape Town's homophobic pastor Oscar Bochart. He, referring to homosexuals, said, why should we be tolerant of their criminal lifestyle? 99% of pedophiles stem from homosexuality. I'm so pleased that he and Anderson said what they did because their statements are now on public record for all to see just how ill-informed, bigoted and threatened these men are by homosexual men. By the way, I can't recall them ever slagging off lesbian behavior, have you? 
Sun Tzu's advice about knowing your enemy is so important, and one of the best ways to get to know him is to give him a chance to speak. Bohart won't take an interview, certainly not on this radio station. The station invited him to debate his beliefs, but Bohart declined to speak on air. By saying what he did, he shot himself in the foot, as did his mentor, Steve Anderson. These men are bullies. Here are the seven characteristics of a bully. They threaten. They destroy property. They instigate fights and aggression. They poke fun at and belittle others. They shun others. They spread rumors. And they get victims to do things they don't want to do. I can count five of these seven traits that apply to Anderson and Bohart. Can you? Neither of these men veiled their comments with political correctness. Had they done so, we might never have known how dangerous they really are. Here, in contrast, is another religious group who hide behind biblical correctness, called righteousness as I see it. Listen to the veiled words found in the February 15, 2011 edition of The Watchtower. It says, Developing a hatred for what is bad is not easy. We are born in sin, and we live in a world that caters to fleshly desires. Let us be determined to hate what is bad. I'm a consulting hypnotist, and I understand the power of words. There is a very strong hypnotic suggestion embedded in the statement. The suggestion is, God encourages you to hate what is bad. The Awake magazine of January 2012 says, God's view of homosexuality cannot be watered down. The Bible clearly states that men who lie with men are included in those who will not inherit God's kingdom. They don't take a stance against homosexuality in the same way that Anderson and Bohart do, but they defer the decision to God by saying, God's view of homosexuality is blah, 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 blah. It's shrouded language, but put these separate messages together and you get to the meaning they intend delivering. Their propositions are 1. Homosexuals are bad. 2. God expects you to hate what is bad. And 3. The deduction is that you should hate homosexuals. Take a listen to an actual recording of a teaching session currently playing out at Jehovah's Witness circuit assemblies in the period 2016-2017. Let's observe a realistic situation after school. And notice how a young witness misses an opportunity to defend God's standards with tact. I think it's so cool that Ashley and Jessica have come out as being lesbian, don't you? Actually, I think they're disgusting. Wow, Hannah, that sounds so prejudiced. Is that you talking, or just your religion? It's what the Bible says, Emily. Lesbians are disgusting. Whatever. Now let me ask you, what impression does Emily have of Hannah and of her friend Jehovah right now? Do you think Hannah could have done a better job of expressing God's standards, maybe a little clearer, a little more appealing to Emily? Let's give her another chance. I think it's so cool that Ashley and Jessica have come out as being lesbian, don't you? Well, I respect Ashley and Jessica, but I can't say I approve of what they're doing. Wow, Hannah, that sounds so prejudiced. 
Is that you talking or just your religion? Well, it's my view, Emily, but it's based on the Bible. You know, some people think that the Bible says things about how homosexuals should be treated that aren't actually there. What do you mean? For example, the Bible says that we should respect all people, regardless of their sexual preference. But I thought you were prejudiced against gays and lesbians. No, not at all. I reject homosexual conduct, not people. I don't get it. Well, I also choose not to smoke. In fact, I find the thought of it sickening. But suppose you're a smoker. I wouldn't be prejudiced against you for your view, just as you wouldn't be prejudiced against me for mine, right? I guess so. It's the same with our differing views of homosexuality. Everybody has the right to choose, and based on what I've learned from the Bible, I've made it a lifestyle choice to reject homosexuality, and I appreciate those who respect my right to make that choice. Huh, I never thought of it that way. Did you notice that the elder's concern wasn't that the disgusting comment made by the teenager's schoolmate was wrong, but that it wasn't appealing to her classmate and didn't leave a good impression? These children are being taught, maybe brainwashed, to be cunningly persuasive. Furthermore, does it not constitute hate speech when Jehovah's Witnesses admonish their members to shun their gay children? Shunning is the act of complete social rejection or emotional distance, which is a formal decision by the witnesses to cease all interaction with an excommunicated member. They expect parents to cut all ties with their homosexual children, not even allowing them to eat together. The organization expects gay and bisexual men and women to refrain from both sexual activity and sexual thoughts involving other persons of the same sex. Although individuals with any orientation can choose celibacy, it is quite impossible for any person to totally control and eliminate their sexual feelings. The witness's literal and restrictive interpretation of Jesus' statements places an immense emotional load on its heterosexual, bisexual, gay and lesbian membership who try to live up to the group's expectations. These are substantial statements of hatred and bigotry, but ones that generally go by unnoticed. This week, the first week in February 2017, media personality and SA Idol's judge, Sumizi, spoke of his ordeal during the Grace Church's homophobic sermon. Sumizi says, The pastor started talking about how unnatural homosexuality is, and how not even animals practice it. He said, you'll never see a male dog with a male dog, a male springbok with a male springbok. So why must human beings do it? It was then when Sumizi stood up, took his bag and walked out of the church where he had been in attendance for 32 years. Political correctness is insidious. Here's an account of a journalist of long standing with an impeccable record working for one of the most respected newspapers in the world who could not get professionals in 21st century Britain to speak to him about a phenomenon that is probably the worst childcare scandal in the country in 40 years. It is a situation which defies belief. These were public servants who would not talk about child rape and prostitution which they knew had been going on for years. They were not the rapists. They were not being paid by the criminals. But political correctness around multiculturalism had left them too scared to speak about these horrific crimes. No wonder these grooming gangs felt untouchable. 
The conflicts and confusions caused by multiculturalism left the staff unsure of their moral and professional values. The tyranny of political correctness meant that they did not dare articulate or even acknowledge what they were seeing and hearing. There is a parallel in the bigoted world of Anderson, Bohart and the Witnesses. Ordinarily, good men and women refrain from speaking up about these forms of hate speech because they simply wish to be politically correct. You must remember the most ridiculous incident of political correctness when the Iranian president Hassan Rouhani visited Italian Prime Minister Matteo Renzi to explore trade alliances between the two countries. As part of his visit to Rome, Rouhani toured the famed Capitoline Museum that is home to numerous prized works of antiquity, some of which show human figures in the nude. But because of Rouhani's Islamic beliefs, plywood boxes and panels were placed around these objects to obscure them from the Iranian president's vision, and alcohol was not served at the dinner hosted in Rouhani's honour. What political lunacy is this? I at least take my hat off to the French, who nixed a landmark dinner with Rouhani after the Iranians insisted on a wine-free meal with halal meat. The French hosts counter-offered with a presumably alcohol-free breakfast, which the Iranians promptly rejected because it appeared too cheap. I do like the idea of genderless toilets and the abolition of old racism terms like the garden boy and the house girl but overly zealous correct speech is just too much for me. Political correctness, in my mind at least, goes too far when the people pushing it think it justifies them to behave even worse than the people they are correcting and not realizing the hypocrisy of it all. Where I think it has gone too far is that people seem to think that they have the right not to be offended, which they don't, and that people who say things that they disagree with should be shouted down which they can't. You should simply ignore people who say things that you think they shouldn't, or you should argue back. But we shouldn't stop them from saying what they wanted to say or believing what they want to believe. Take Christmas as an example. Why the insane sensitivity to Christmas with weak euphemisms like the silly season or wishing somebody happy holidays instead of the old-fashioned Merry Christmas? I'm completely sincere when I wish my Hindu friends happy Diwali, or my Muslim friends Eid Mubarak, meaning blessed Eid. So it seems quite weird not to wish my Christian friends Merry Christmas, in case they're offended. Billions of dollars of media programming has changed the definition of what people consider to be acceptable and what people consider to be not acceptable. Political correctness shapes the way we all communicate with each other, every single day, and unless Trump sets a new trend, it's only going to get worse in the years ahead. Sadly, most people simply have no idea what's happening to them. Political correctness has been accurately described as cultural Marxism. People in the West have been programmed through subtle brainwashing methods. The suppression of our right to free speech should be banned. Believing that truth is fact and it can't be changed just to suit a ridiculous agenda. It's mind control in all its ugly manifestations and should be banned from all areas of intellectual pursuit.
U.S. Democratic politician Robert F. Kennedy in a 1966 speech said, Few men are willing to brave the disapproval of their fellows, the censure of their colleagues, the wrath of their society. Moral courage is a rarer commodity than bravery in battle or great intelligence. Yet it is the one essential, vital quality for all those who seek to change the world which yields most painfully to change. Thank you for listening to Soul Searching here on Gay Essay Radio. Your comments and suggestions help shape the show and I'm always happy to receive them. Write to me at studio at gaysaradio.co.za or post on the station's social media platforms using the hashtag gaysaradio. My Twitter handle is at TWEBudge. This program premieres on Sundays at 5pm and repeats the following Sunday at 8.30am. A full set of podcasts in the series is available on the station's website, gayessayradio.co.za. Stay right here on Gay Essay Radio for all your favorite music, discussions, lifestyle facts, and the latest news. My name is Tom Budge. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>